0: Are americans welcome back i know it's been a while a lot to catch up um you know it's almost the new year past christmas um it's so hard to know where to start you know but we'll start out east we'll start in ukraine um I know, I I think I've mentioned this, or maybe not, but I've, you know, it's been, you know, the counter-offensive of her son. Um, Months ago, a few months ago now, feels like yesterday, because, you know, it's obviously fighting is still happening in her son, this and that, you know, but like the counter-offensive feels crazy. Like when we found out about it, right? Um, and that was only till after um, this tense fighting in Bakhmut um, has been for a while the other big thing is Zelensky visited the US and I've never been emotional ever by the way a politician speaks every time I watch it or something I get emotional um, for those who haven't seen it go watch it you know they say Churchill, you know, they compare Churchill, they compare, you know, I could compare Roosevelt. I would say Roosevelt, wartime president, is kind of how I saw it. Um, but I understand Churchill, right, as a wartime president. Um, you know, you could even say just l- great leaders of their countries during war, right? You think about all these leaders who were able to, you know, Think about, you know, Southeast Asia, right? I know I always kind of think about Southeast Asia, but think about Ho Chi Minh as a leader, right? Think about the people, right? And think about, you know, the French occupation, you know, the complexity of the American war in Vietnam and how that, you know rips apart the country and how that how what the US understands by being in Vietnam now right that whole idea and the other thing I think people need to realize is leaders like being having great leadership voted by the people I think that's the big thing that people really like Ukraine is such a you know 1991 right you think about 1991 right not that long ago I wasn't born but still not that long ago in terms of history and historiography and thinking of time. Vietnam really wasn't that long ago for a lot of our generations in this world today. You know, World War II wasn't, you know, it's it's starting that generation. You know, you get what I'm saying. Anyway, I won't carry on with that, rambling a little bit. But these, you know, these, I don't want to say, like calling aid to ukraine a blank check is just completely inaccurate it's just not what it is it's it's not if anyone anybody does a little bit of actual in-depth look at what's being sent how it's being sent what you know budgeting anybody Ask questions if you don't know about budget. I ask questions about the government budget to, you know, my buddies I've had on this podcast, a bunch of them, you know, my military buddies, I've had them on this podcast. I ask them about military questions. You know, reach out to those people. Reach out to me. You know, you have, you can reach out to me and this and that. But the importance, right, the importance of understanding what it is And understanding How Personal And how morals And how Amazingly Unbelievably Incredibly amazing The Ukrainian people are The military is I needed You know One day we're gonna do a podcast About the Ukrainian military And hopefully one day I can interview one of them One day Amazing. But we're seeing this, this this 21st century fight for democracy. And I don't know if a lot of people understand that. They understand, but I don't know if they truly understand. Right? Because we're over here. We're in the States. Right? We're not in Europe. You know, so we complain about things we shouldn't complain about because we no one can see the bigger picture. Now, I shouldn't say no one. I shouldn't say those who complain about the little things are... Don't understand the bigger picture. So, I know I've talked about general winter before on this podcast. You know, I'm going to kind of explain a little bit more of what it is in terms of 2022 and the, you know, the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, 2022. Mind you, you know, you know. I think, well, I know, you know, historians and Ukrainians, you know, they see 08 as the war and the they don't, they see it as ever the way they want to see it because they're Ukrainians. For historians and for myself personally, you know, it's one, it's just, the, it's a continuation of the war, right? That's what they'll tell you first and foremost. You know, the war in the Donbass, it started in 2014. And then the full-scale invasion of Ukraine would be 2022. Are they interconnected? Yes. How are they connected? That's another day for another podcast. And that's another interview that I want to have with a Ukrainian historian. Another day, hopefully down the road. But just for those who don't understand, that's kind of how we how things are split up so when I talk about them in the future when I keep talking about them you know what I mean so military experts right they think another surge for the capital is coming next year early next year um, it's kind of hard to not see where they're coming from um, especially since you know You think like them, and you understand where they get the numbers and why they came up with this point in time and why. But just because General Winter is here doesn't mean that the Ukrainians and the Russians are going to stop fighting, right? They're going to continue fighting. Go back to the war since, you know, the war in the Donbass that's been going on for nine years now. They've been fighting through the winter. It's going to happen. The gains and the losses are something that we need to just kind of... We can't speculate, and I think it's easy to speculate, especially coming from me all the way in the West. I'm not even in Europe. I'm in the States, right? So it's easy for me to do that. But we got to just keep doing... You know, keep doing... I think you have to understand when you watch Zelensky speak... Anytime... But when you're in the same country as him, it's emotional. It's very emotional. And it's always going to be emotional, I think, for myself. You know, you think about generations before us. You know, my grandparents, our my grandparents. When they thought about and think about the war, World War Two, that is, when they were young, when it ended. You know, they cry. Like, that's, I think the impact on me, and I'm sure many others, but we have to understand that we need to do that, we need to be emotional for the Ukrainians at this time, because the Ukrainians, they have to carry on, they can mourn, however, you know, whatever way they want, but the fight continues, and we have to understand that, we have to be just as strong for them, because we know how powerful and interconnected this world is going to be after and how it was before and post cold war post the fall of the Soviet Union 91 we know how interconnected it is and we have to remember that so a little bit update um, i guess how about the front there has been strikes on russian air bases inside Russia. Um, if you're f- even following this war a little bit, you would kind of understand. And I won't get into why it's significant. You know, it kind of makes sense. It speaks for itself. If you want to know, you know, p- feel free to ask me why. But you know, and then the c- I talked about the counter-offensive and the lines kind of being being pushed, right? And that offensive we saw that that swept sweep wave like of taking of the Ukrainian land back by the Ukrainian forces um, you know I think like I said the surge for Kiev um, is going to be important um, for the historical narrative and there's some good podcasts already for people who have been there talk to the soldiers um, i recommend going listen to it. i know i've mentioned them before but just the bravery right and the urban warfare and the urban warfare conducted by the civilian population is so intriguing to me what they did how they were able to do it what they needed to do what, what things if the build-up right they kind of what how they saw the build-up to February and the continuous pounding of missiles and the continuous effort and the continuous things we don't see is the resiliency. And I do want to talk about this because I think it's very important is that analogy of the blank check. Um, It's inaccurate. Um, It's just an aggressive term to think they know what they're saying is right and it's not. So in terms of Vietnam, right, in the blank check. So first of all, during Vietnam, the Diem regime as well as the regimes appointed by Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon's administration in Southeast Asia were so corrupt and You know, if you read the Pentagon Papers, just a few chapters, you'll learn that we knew that, as the United States government knew that they were bad leaders. So really, in terms of, you know, the blank check, right, analogy, or however you want to explain it, blank check in Vietnam, you know, and they think they're the blank check for Ukraine, and that's not what it is at all, because when you think about Vietnam, yes. The blank check was a lesson in itself. However, it is a very small, on the very small scale in the overall understanding of Southeast Asia and the Americans in Southeast Asia. Right? Because that in itself, that sentence in itself, is why it doesn't make sense to say blank check for Eastern Europe. Because this is Eastern Europe and not Southeast Asia. And. And when you think about Vietnam, and I mentioned this earlier, right? Just so, and you can even think about the Middle East. The leaders that the United States government chose, like DM, were shitbags, and they were corrupt. And their people did not vote them in. That was one of the biggest problems with the South Vietnamese government: is that the U.S. chosen military leaders. Were corrupt. They wanted money and they killed people for no reason. Zelensky was chosen by the people, right? A very interesting concept, very interesting man. I think I should do a podcast one day in the future about him. Um, there's so much about him. Um, I'm waiting for the book to get come out in the U.S., but it's called The Zelensky effects, Effect, Oxford Press. I'm waiting for it to come out. But it's this this will, right? So the Ukrainian people always have and will resist Russian aggression, Russian imperialism. and yeah, colonialism, Russian colonialism. They will always always do what they can to resist Zelensky some would argue, I would probably argue, because for me, right, for me as a person in the United States, you know, not just me, but it gave me an understanding of this is what's going on over there. I kind of had a idea, right, I kind of understood about this war going on in Donbass, given my background and interest, but I didn't really understand. I did not and here I am, right, now, all these months later, I un- I kind of understand, I listen, I ask questions, I try to find answers, you know. And you kind of, you understand the differences, and you see, like, okay, this is how this, right? At the end, it goes back to culture, right? And having a leader with a cultural identity, right, is the most empowering thing our peoples can have for the international stage. Domestically, they will always be, you know, they will fight, 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 revolt, revolt, revolt. But on the international, on the global stage, especially with the U.S., the U.S. has struggled, especially think about just what happened with the U.S., right? We just pulled out of Kabul, that miserable, miserable sad, scary attempt that we all saw live. Right? But here we are, right? So it makes zero sense, going back to my point, the blank check analogy does not work. Another thing I want to talk about is the volunteer work. Um, Abroad And within The country of Ukraine Um, It's amazing And You just Just look and you watch And you listen to the stories of first responders And Surgeons working under Candlelight You know it's It's you know, sorry for the, you know, a blast from the past, you know, and for me, it's, it has to be fighting, but it also has to have a way of uniting, um, I think it has, um, I don't understand those who are on the other side, at least in this country, um, Cause I know that that would be a question that people would have for me is what do I think? And I, I I don't know I don't know what to think. It's hard to make it's hard for me to think. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the other side, you know that of the what I, you know the conversation around the war in Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine in the United States. Um, you know I mentioned earlier in this podcast about that blank check analogy, right? So. It's, it's a lack of understanding, I think A lot of it um, That's what it stems from And also the power of rhetoric You know, there's a lot of good podcasts A lot of smart people that talk about The power of Russian rhetoric, propaganda um, A lot of great books about propaganda um, And they talk about these things, right? And it's a thing and it's it's frustrating, right? The rhetoric is frustrating when it comes to people who want the truth, know the truth, understand how to get the truth. You know, understanding a objective, a bias, what is bias, how do you look through it, how do you come up with that? Never were losing the foundation and the grounding of themselves But understanding the Geopolitical atmosphere Of the world and economics And geoeconomics, right? Like global economics market That kind of thing And just I think we're also blinded You know there's a blind Still in this country Because of Our involvement in the Middle East You know the way we left not so long ago in Vietnam
1: moving away
0: from you know the states you know to talk about the larger picture you know Taiwan right I think that's very interesting that about what's going on Iran um, you know it's a very interesting time to understand and be confused at the same time try to understand and try to learn but also understanding that there is confusion. because in historical moments when you live through confusing confusion is really top of, you know, kind of like the fog of war, right? That same
2: idea. Dear Americans, in all states, cities, and communities, all those who value freedom and justice, who cherish it is strongly As we Ukrainians in all our cities, in each and every family, I hope my words of respect and gratitude resonate in each American heart. Madam Vice President, I thank you for your efforts in helping Ukraine, Madam Speaker.
0: I do think people get caught up in their own lives in the stress of domestic issues here at home and I understand that you know but I also think we need to understand things domestically happen because of things internationally that's just how the world is now it's interconnected it's connected through different things, through markets, through pipelines, through landmass, you name it, they're connected, right? We see that. We can see that. But I don't know if it's just not wanting to or just not understanding. When something, when we understand when someone, when you try to understand something, you don't understand it some people's initial reaction is to just turn the other way go with what simple but that can't be the case ever because nothing is that simple and we've learned that if you look through history if you look at the past nothing is simple nothing is as simple as what they tell us
2: and fought back Hitler's forces during the Christmas of 1944. Brave Ukrainian soldiers are doing the same to Putin's forces this Christmas. Ukraine Ukraine holds its lines and will never surrender.
0: Because, you know, global warming, the, the front isn't frozen enough as it would be by now for vehicles to get over. However, the fighting's not going to stop. And this next wave of attacks is something that I think the, the whole world is watching at this point. So there is, you know, a little bit of talk about Russia having, you know, a ceasefire. However, you know, I, I think people are quick to not understand this war. <laughs> um, you know, I've said it before, you know, I'm sure I'll say it again. You know, it's completely out of this country of Ukraine. You know, every territory, everything, everything. That's...
1: Only way. I think the other very, very key important thing to point out here is... He... The Kremlin is on the back foot. They are trying to do everything they can to buy time. Christmas this, Christmas that, Orthodox this, Orthodox that, right? It develops... A under It creates a false image of what things look like for modern day. Trying to have this ceasefire during this genocidal war. Right? But here we are. Like, obviously we know, the Ukrainians know, you know, there's there's been talk about the Russians have made some advances in certain parts. You know, obviously, like, this is war, right? I've said it before. I've said it again. Taken, given, taken, given this and that, back and forth. chess match, like... But it's just another... Bullshitty attempt to try to say that doing they're on the good side, and they're not ceasefire does not mean shit Never has in any war and never will So don't believe any ceasefire you ever hear
0: So there is um, a development from BBC, this is reported: Ukraine denies Moscow's claim of killing 600 soldiers, saying it was propaganda. Um There were overnight strikes in Kremensk, Kremensk, Temenkovsk. Sorry, I butchered it. Right now, but here's the thing, right? This is typical of the Kremlin. There was no evidence to support their claim. Instead, it, it had a massive missile strike. But. The Ukrainian military says this is just another piece of Russian propaganda. Um, you know U- Ukrainian you know the the parliament said that as many as four hundred people were killed or wounded in Mikila um, hundreds have been given by Russian nationalists. So, yeah, right? Like, here we see again, time and time again, just another propaganda proposal by the Kremlin to try to say that they're doing it. Even though, like, it's kind of obvious at this point that we know it's propaganda for the most part. You know, obviously, you have a few countries in the world that are controlled by Russia still. So... You know, we have to, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, take everything that comes out of the Kremlin with a pinch of salt and the fog of war. Always remember the fog of war.
2: In such fight, but to get to the turning point to win on the battlefield, we have artillery. Yes. Thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. To ensure Bakhmut is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out, more cannons and shells are needed. If so, just like the battle of Saratoga, the fight for Bakhmut will change the trajectory of our war for independence and for freedom. If your patriots stop the Russian terror against our cities, it will let Ukrainian patriots work to the full to defend our freedom. When Russia Russia cannot reach our cities, but its artillery, it tries to destroy them, with missile attacks. More than that, Russia found an ally in this in this genocidal policy, Iran. Iranian de- deadly drones sent to Russia in hundreds, and hundreds became a threat to our critical infrastructure. That is how one terrorist has found the other. It is just a matter of time when they will strike against your other allies. If we do not stop them now, we must do it.
0: Just so I can wrap up this you know episode and things to take away for now. Keep an eye on the Black Sea, right? A lot has been active recently, um last few months. Be interested to see how that how plays out, you know. That's another day for another story, another day, I should say. And also, just keeping an eye on Bach Mute. I think I said it right. Um, that's where the heavy fighting continues. Um, I know he th- mentions it early on. That's where it's continuing, you know The, the rec- you know, US had another mil- aid package Three million dollars worth um, Germany's sending on vehicles The French are sending vehicles Britain is still, you know They have their critics just like everyone else They're still supplying so much Doing so much for International democracy Global democracy
2: We are Americans.